0: We're live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with Gray Williams today. Our show is all about the world of apps and mobile technology. You can hear us across the Chorus Radio Network and, of course, listen to our podcast of this program as well at your favorite podcasting app or site. We have a great uh, program. We will uh, be talking a lot about AI this week. Uh, One of the stories is about OpenAI. They're the folks behind ChatGPT. It's one of the more popular AI tools out there that allows you to, uh, within seconds, literally write entire essays, letters, business plans, social media uh, plans uh, as well, even code websites, Uh, amazing tool. But to be amazing, it has to get that information from somewhere. So there's a lot of people sparking up now saying, hey, that thing has ingested information about my book or my writing without my permission. Sarah Silverman, you know, the comedian, she's suing. Uh, but there's also now a class action lawsuit against open AI. And we'll, uh, we'll be talking with Carmi Levy, who will be coming in to uh, give us uh, an understanding of what that all means. Y- we were worried about the, the, the robots and AI taking over. It's the lawyers that are going to save us, Greg. <laughs>
1: God bless.
0: God bless. And uh, we're going to do a, a deep dive into the actor strike The actors uh, have gone on strike down in the U S the studios want uh, access to the actors uh, images and likeness so that they can use them for AI purposes, being able to regenerate them for other shows and and movies. Well, the actors union, as you can imagine, not happy about that. They want control of their actors likeness. So we'll, uh, we'll get an understanding of what that all means and where we think it might go uh, as well. And uh, a fun, a fun little uh, segment, I'm going to call it the top 10 unhappy apps. There's a lot of apps that make us happy, Gray, that we use every day. But, uh, one website came up, uh, they did a a poll of, uh, the top 10 apps that make their users unhappy. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, it's kind of a fun thing to go through. And, you know, you should tune in for that because, uh, Maybe the apps you're using are, are on that list and you can kind of uh, identify uh, with it. Uh, let's talk about uh, some of the uh, the news out uh, there in the app and mobile world. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, again, this is kind of in the AI vein. Uh, Google, they are obviously trying to uh, step up their artificial intelligence uh, side. They've uh, got something called BARD, which they're trying to compete against ChatGPT. Uh, they've had a few... Kind of challenges along <laughs> the, the way there. Uh, a couple, uh, you know, uh, screw ups, uh, you know, in some of the demos. Uh, but still, a very powerful tool. Uh, the underlying uh, technology of that uh, of the language model uh, from Google on their Bard is called Palm Two, and so they've got a variant of it called Med Two. And uh, apparently, great. This is interesting. The Mayo Clinic Research Hospital among others, is actually testing this now as a, like a, a doctor or, or a medical chatbot where you can talk to it to get medical information.
1: This is way better than WebMD. I, I'm i so excited for this. I know. Hypochondriacs of
0: the world rejoice, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, but, but it's, it's going to feel so much so much warmer, so much more interactive. And every time that I learn that it's probably lupus, uh, you know, it'll be there to comfort me. I like this. Yeah, I, you know,
0: I know a lot of people are, are listening to this. You know, I'm not going to talk to a doctor chatbot. You know, that's stupid. Like, I, I want a human diagnosing me. But, you know, their, their mission here is not to replace doctors. Uh, they, they're basically saying that this would be a potential tool for locations, countries, regions where medical professionals, as you can imagine, might not be Available, <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe maybe Canada, right? Can't can't seem to get a family doctor, <laughs> but uh, but you know. So it's interesting, right? You know they're testing it out. They're saying it's not a hundred percent accurate, and I can see that, right? Because it's it's still kind of in its infancy, uh, but. Hmm. Uh, What they are saying is that it has a really good comprehension of the data coming in and and, and understanding uh, of that. But I I could see this being a a useful tool, though, Gray, like in conjunction with a human doctor, right? Because you want that human connection, first of all, and, you know, their experiences. Hmm. But, you know, if they had access to a medical chatbot that, you know, basically had, you know, the world's medical information and all the diagnoses around the world in this one place, wouldn't
1: that be valuable? Absolutely, You know, it's it's funny, for the smaller things that I've gone to my family doctor for, because I do have a family doctor, um, you know, usually I sit down, I just describe the problem, she leans over, looks at a reference book or types it into a website, goes, yeah, I think that's what that is. We could save her so much more time she could focus on things that actually need her attention. And my silly little issues could be dealt with with the chatbot. That is triage in the best way. I like this. But would you feel comfortable with that?
0: Like if you knew your doctor? Yeah. Okay, so... So you feel comfortable with the doctor using it? What about using it yourself? What if it's just that—that—that that, that was your doctor?
1: Yeah, you know. So here's the thing: it's all about triage, right? If I'm able to feed what so I, I do this already with, with uh, teledoc, an online doctor service, where there's an app, and I I sit there and I've waited like two, three hours to get a real doctor sometimes, and if they could just have this chat, but listen to my concern and go, yeah, that's nothing. Or you know we're going to prescribe this, or we're going to get you to see a, a specialist. Yeah, I just you're saving the doctor time. You're saving me time.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. I I still take comfort in knowing that you know there's a human. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm just I wonder about the liability as well in the future. Like if you're just having people interact with medical chat bots and they give bad information, you know, obviously uh, you know there would be all sorts of uh, warnings uh, around it, but. Um, you know, what is the liability of a medical chatbot, you know, basically saying you have cancer or you don't have cancer? Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I, I think, again, when it gets to that level, it's going to kick it up to a, to a real human, but maybe not. Maybe we've got House MD. <laughs> That's the chatbot. Bard's going to be very, very bold about the fact that it's definitely not lupus.
0: Yeah, anyway, so again, we're talking about uh, Google, uh, their MedPOM2 uh, this is a, a variant of uh, some of their AI technology. They're testing it with hospitals like the Mayo Clinic uh, Research uh, Center, uh, just to to see how well it works in, uh, I guess, that uh, that uh, that setting. Uh, another uh, interesting story here: uh, The Associated Press and OpenAI are entering into a two-year partnership to help train algorithmic models. Isn't that interesting? I mean that it's a big issue yeah, right yeah. now. There's class action suits happening against OpenAI because they're saying that uh OpenAI is ingesting all, you know, this copyrighted and trademarked uh, information. Uh but now the Associated Press, which is, you know, a big news uh, organization, is uh, looking to work with them.
1: Mm. It's, uh can't beat them join them? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it doesn't involve um you know, the AI chatbots uh, you know, really churning out content, uh, but uh, for a, in a way for OpenAI to train its algorithmic models, which is interesting. So the two-year deal gives OpenAI access to selected news content and tech from the AP archives dating back all the way to 1985. So uh, they're saying Be that sick. this will help uh, improve the efficacy of, of ChatGPT and, and its tools going forward. Mm. Nice. But I just... Again, the only reason that these 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 um, AI tools like ChatGPT are so powerful is because of all the information they're ingesting. Like, can you imagine how many deals they would have to make with all the content providers? Like, it would be insane.
1: I Imagine they probably got an AI working on the number of deals. At least I hope they do. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: yeah, it, I, I can't even it. The scope is is too large for me to uh, to comprehend, but obviously something that uh, the uh, the lawyers are going to have to deal with, and uh, it's uh, part of uh, our upcoming segment as well, uh, talking about some of the class action lawsuits uh, against uh, Open uh, AI. You are tuned in to the App Show. We have uh, a lot of great content uh, coming up, uh, including the actor strike and uh, how AI is playing a big role in that, and uh, we will also be talking about the top ten unhappy apps. So these are apps that users say make them unhappy. And it's interesting. It's a mixture of games, social media sites, uh, dating apps, as you can probably uh, imagine. So uh, stay tuned and see if uh, uh, an app that makes you unhappy is in that list. Anyway, it's just a a fun uh, list that we wanted to to share with the listeners. You are listening to The App Show with uh, Mike and Gray. We'll be back shortly after this. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here in studio. want to talk about uh, AI some more. Uh, obviously, that's uh, a hot topic uh, in the news this past year. One of the big tools is from a company called OpenAI. It's uh, ChatGPT. I think 20% of Canadians are now using it in some form, whether for work or personal uh, use. It's uh, an amazing tool. It can just kind of punch out blogs, social media posts, essays, pretty much anything you can imagine within seconds with uh, great accuracy. But where are they getting all the information from? Uh, this is an interesting developing story. We've got Carmi Levy uh, with us. Thanks for joining us, Carmi.
2: Great to be here, Mike. Thanks for having me.
0: So to get, a, to get this smart, uh, tools like ChatGPT have to ingest incredible amounts of information uh, to, to basically train them. But now OpenAI is being sued. Uh, For copyright infringements uh, from, uh, I guess, a a lot of people, you know, especially authors of books that say that their books are being ingested into this, uh, this tool without their permission.
2: Yeah, I mean, if if we look at AI, I mean, you, you touched on it in the intro, right? It's they they are trained using massive amounts of data just out there on the internet, on the open internet. Uh, it's almost like a Hoover. You sort of you 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 target the vacuum on uh, websites, social media streams, uh, you know, o- online communities and forums, whatever it can find. Pull that data in, and then unleash the AI tools on it to draw connections and sort of create that what looks like intelligence. You know, you know, and and then subsequently build new content. That's why they call it generative AI. Build new content based on all that old stuff that it vacuumed up. Uh, the problem here is, is that uh, it comes from you know some of that data is your data. It's my data. It's our listeners' data. Uh, it's just been out there for years. I've been writing a blog for going on 20 years, and I'm reasonably certain. That my blog has been scraped multiple times uh, by AI training uh, bots uh, that are looking for data uh, I never consented to that when I first started posting all this stuff online I didn't agree to it there was a terms of use uh, statement that of course I read most people don't but I read it and it didn't say anything about AI and it really didn't predict this future tech now you know now present but this future technology and so there is a lawsuit in California a class action suit that's just been filled saying that A file that says that OpenAI, which which is the company behind ChatGPT, that they didn't follow proper procurement guidelines. They didn't seek the consent of all of those folks, including all of us who produced that content in the first place, and they're calling it data theft, which is a pretty serious allegation, basically saying you stole our data and now you're using it to create all sorts of new content and products and things that you're then gonna make profit off of and you're not gonna give any of that to us. And so it's a really important turning point in the history of AI because the very architecture of AI is based on this mass data training, and now we're seeing a legal challenge to that. Uh, which I think is a is a reasonable thing to do. I, I think as society we need to understand the moral, ethical, and legal implications of this. You know, wholesale data a scooping, uh, which you and I never agreed to all those years back, and unfortunately now we find ourselves on the wrong side of that curve.
0: Isn't it ironic? You know, I think of that movie, The Terminator, and uh, you know, <laughs> the robot from the future. and Nothing could stop it, but clearly lawyers could. <laughs>
2: yeah (laughs) well didn't al capone get uh taken down for tax evasion right it's it's always the it's always the little bit of legalese that will sort of take down the most powerful adversaries and i think it's i think it's fair for us to look at ai through that lens right you know we've been talking about ethics and morals and all that and really i think the answer to uh, ensuring that uh, ai does not harm society more than it benefits it over the next few years is that we need to have the right kind of legal framework in place uh, because you can talk morals and ethics you're blue in the face we know full well that it's the law that has the final say Uh, and so you know we are seeing signs of uh legal activity here opportunistic lawyers who are getting in on it um, early as they should uh and asking questions about you know if we don't have a legal framework for ai because all this technology is so new uh, should we in fact start building one and lawsuits like this establish the precedents that lead to the creation of better legislation. And even though this is happening in California, which is a very progressive state when it comes to tech forward uh, legislation, um, it is a, a common law state, right? The entire US is common law, which of course most of Canada outside of Quebec follows. So whatever precedent is set in this particular case will send seismic rumblings through the entire legal community. It will cross the border. And ultimately, it will, uh, it will apply here in Canada as well. So it's certainly something that I'm going to be watching because, you know, up until now, we've been watching AI race ahead with no legal protections whatsoever. And cases like this are really critical in getting that ball rolling so we can close that map.
0: I, I'm still laughing like governments can't stop the advancement of AI. You know what I mean? Like they're trying to legislate to, to slow down whatever that means. And it's the lawyers it's the lawyers that, that are going are going to take always it the down lawyers
2: isn't it oh my god uh, but
0: but carmi i i don't even know how you would figure that all out like i i can't even fathom the intense amount of books and articles that you know these large language models are ingesting you know obviously mm-hmm. to to train themselves i i can see there's an argument if if you've put something on the internet I, you know, maybe it is public domain, but some of the stuff like, you know, actual novels and textbooks and um, and things like that, like those are copyrighted. Those are protected.
2: Sure. Uh, they're protected legally, but, you know, because of the way the technology works and because of the fact that it's very uh, opaque, it's there's nothing transparent about the way all of this data is collected. OpenAI hasn't told us with any clarity. Precisely how it trained its large language models, or what happens to all that data once it gets ingested, and 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 so so somewhere between where it gets ingested from my website and my social media feeds to where it gets spit back out uh, when someone you know, gives it a query, uh, I don't know what happens. It's a giant black box, um, and I'm kind of hoping that at some point we establish a legislative framework that that forces companies like OpenAI to be more transparent about what's happening inside that black box, right? We, we deserve to know uh, because if we're gonna protect ourselves against the worst potential for abuse within an AI powered world, uh, we're gonna have to know a little bit more about how that technology works. And we kind of missed that opportunity with search uh, when Google first became a thing, when all the other search engines were being introduced in the mid to late 90s before Google came along. We didn't really talk about the legalities of that because we know that search engines are indexing and spidering and pulling in information as well but uh, that never became a legal thing but uh, compared to search AI is on a whole other scale a whole much larger uh, scale and I think the impact is much more significant now so we're getting a better a second chance to figure it out and I'm really hoping we take uh, the lawyers up on that opportunity because if we don't um, then essentially the internet becomes a free-for-all where anyone can do anything and nothing is protected. Uh, and I don't think any of, any of us want uh, part of that dystopian future.
0: I've been talking with Carmi Levy about uh, AI technology and specifically uh, class action lawsuit against OpenAI for, I guess, their, uh, their scraping <laughs> of, the, uh, of the internet and all the content that goes into training uh, their chat ChatGPT, large language model. Okay, uh, we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, more tech to talk. Back after this, you are back with the app show. Mike Egerbo here in uh, studio. I've got my good friend uh, Carmi Levy with me. He's uh, out of Toronto and uh, really up on uh, the whole AI. I guess topic and and issues uh, around that. We're going to talk now about the uh, actors' uh, strike uh, happening uh, down in the uh, U.S. And one of the big sticking points between uh, the the movie studios and the actors would uh, would be AI and uh, the studios being able to use the the images uh, of actors uh, whenever they want. Carmi, this is uh, this is a, an issue now. Uh, but first of all, I just have to to bring up one thing. I didn't know Fran Drescher was the president of the the Actors Union. The nanny, essentially. I think that was the biggest surprise to me out of that story.
2: Well, you're Fran Drescher now, I mean, Melissa Gilbert in earlier age, uh, you never quite know where your favorite child actors, you know, or childhood actors from a bygone era are, are going to end up. But I think it reinforces that you know the the you know, the, the Screen Actors Guild kind of has to have someone who you know a speaks passionately about their craft comes from their craft, in other words, has lived the reality, and certainly Fran Drescher has, as you know, a woman in 80s and 90s Hollywood fighting her way to the top, uh, who better to be that sort of voice of an entire industry uh, than someone who learned the hard way uh, and survived and thrived. So I didn't know either, and I started seeing her as part of the coverage of the the actor strike, and I thought, hmm, cool, I will never look at her exclusively through a uh, the nanny lens again.
0: So there there was a couple sticking points in the, the negotiation. Streaming, which was no surprise to me. You know, obviously the actors want to be able to be compensated uh, for their work on all the, the streaming platforms uh, properly. Uh, but the AI proposal, uh, from what I understand, if I just kind of simplify it, uh, they're proposing that background performers should be able to be scanned Get paid for just the one day's pay, and then the company, the studios, uh, would be able to scan their image, their likeness, and be able to use it for the rest of eternity in any project.
2: Yeah. So, you know, work once, get paid some, you know, piddling amounts, and then basically you've signed away any rights to the studios for perpetuity and you're never gonna get any work from them again. What a great deal for the studios. I mean, I, well, as soon as I saw that particular clause, I was mortified. I say this, I'm not an actor, uh, but I'm a content producer. Uh, and in, in my world, you know, my, the things that I produce, the value of what I produce, that's how I keep the lights on. That's how I make my living. And so essentially what the studios were saying was, we're just not gonna have to pay you over time. And we're gonna use AI to completely replace you, uh, which is beyond unacceptable, beyond immoral. Um, And even though we don't have AI specific laws in place yet, uh, there's nothing stopping the Screen Actors Guild from drawing a line in the sand and saying, no, 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 that needs to stop. And I, I think they are kind of the canary in the coal mine for AI, but industries are gonna try to use it uh, as a way of, of obsoleting entire classes of workers. Uh, and you know, I think we, we've seen technology disrupt entire industries before, but this willing use of the technology to very blatantly uh, tell actors that their their contributions are not valued um, is unacceptable, and you don't have to be an actor to recognize that. I think anybody in a content-heavy industry recognizes that if this is allowed to happen in the acting space, it'll be allowed to happen in any other space because it'll set a very dangerous precedent. So, you know, within that context, I think the actors are kind of fighting for the rest of us.
0: So, the uh, the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers uh, (AMPTP). Great, uh, <laughs> great name. Uh, yeah, they 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 basically issued a statement uh, countering what uh, the Actors Union is saying. Um, they're they're basically saying uh, the claim made by SAG, uh, which is the Actors Union, uh, that the digital replicas of background actors may be used in perpetuity with no consent. Consent or compensation is false. In fact, the current proposal only permits a company to use the digital replica of a background actor in the motion picture for which the background actor is employed. Any other use requires the background actor's consent and bargaining for the use subject to a minimum payment. So, um, you know, obviously there's a, a lot of details going on here, uh, but I, I think, you know, the, the actors' union definitely they're, they're really trying to shine a lens on the challenge that. AI does, uh, you know, cause...
2: I think because of the power of AI to um, replicate content rather faithfully in any number of contexts going forward, um, you know, we, we need to be careful of how it can be abused and how even a small concession upfront can become a very big consequence over time. And so even though the the, the producers are essentially saying, no, we don't, we're, we're, digital replicas only apply to the existing movie, so any other work. Uh, have to arrange something else. The problem here is it's a slippery slope. And by allowing digital replicas to be used in an existing work, you're opening the door for the next step. And it's like death by a thousand cuts. You're allowing the industry to say, hey, we 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 allowed you you said yes for this film. Let's push it a little bit further next time. Now let's negotiate the envelope getting a little bit broader. Uh, maybe for another film. Maybe for other works within a series, or maybe for other works done by a particular producer. Uh, so you know, either you you draw a line now and you stop that Pandora's box from being opened up or you run the risk of the industry now that they've got their foot in the door, they're going to try to kick it wide open with the next round of negotiations. And so, again, I I, I understand the PR mavens who are kind of weighing in and, and splitting hairs and looking at particular definitions of legal clauses and contracts, but the reality is if we allow the small concession now, it becomes a very large concession later on, and that's dangerous not just to actors but to all of us.
0: I, I guess for the 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 more well-known actors um they have a little more control i guess of of their likenesses uh you know they've got better lawyers uh, when they're putting their their <laughs> their contracts together but you know already uh there are actors out there basically saying they are not going to give permission for their likeness mm-hmm. to be used in any uh you know films or or tv programs i think keanu reeves is one of them
2: yeah and i think that makes it, it makes sense. It's interesting because um, James Earl Jones got a lot of attention a few months ago when he said he was going to sign away the rights to his voice um, so that, you know, after he passes away, the, 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 the baselines of his voice can be used to create new content based on, on his, his intellectual property. But thing is, James Earl Jones is a huge star and he's he's over 90 years old and he's you know, at some point he's, he's approaching the end of his career, he can afford to do that. But if you're, and, and Keanu Reeves, good on him, recognizes that he's still fairly mid career um, and that he still has earning potential ahead of him. And he has the clout to say, I'm not going to allow that to happen. Um, and I think most actors are kind of see that is that if you still have earning potential on a number of years in the business ahead of you, uh, why would you sign those rights away, right? Why would you give producers the power uh, to use AI to, Essentially, reduce your potential to do work going forward. Um, AI should enhance the work. It should not replace the people who create the value in that work. Uh, and so I think we are going to see more uh, content producers, more actors, more talent get on that bandwagon and recognize that, um, uh, you know, having even a small allowance for AI to replace part of your work Um, opens the door to you basically having no career in a few years. And, And it's one thing if you're a major talent, a major actor with a brand that everybody recognizes, but the thing is the vast majority of those actors out there We've never heard of them, right? Most actors are struggling to keep the lights on and make ends meet. Uh, The George Clooneys and the Keanu Reeves of the world are the the tiny minority of the entire actors union. Um, And so really what we're doing is we're fighting for the small guy who goes to Hollywood uh, with a dream uh, for them to have an ability to to find work in future, and if we allow unchecked AI to basically rifle its way through the industry, we prevent that uh, in much the same way that you know we've you know the incentive for teenage kids to become rock stars and practice in their garage, not quite the same now than it was even a few years ago because of this unchecked advances in technology. Uh, we kind of missed the boat with music. We probably shouldn't miss the boat with acting. It's
0: going to be interesting. Uh, this could be a potential gold rush uh, for certain actors. I'm looking uh, at the music industry, for example, like Bob Dylan and Bruce Springsteen, uh, basically selling um, you know, the rights to their entire music catalog, you know what I mean, for hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I could see a point where an actor, uh, let's use Kevin Costner, for example, um, basically write a deal that uh, would give away um, the rights to his likeness, you know, for AI-created content, um, you know, when he dies, or, or sooner if, if he's open to that for millions of dollars.
2: Oh, sure. And, and I think... If you have spent an entire career building your, you know, your brand, and you've reached a point of success where people know you, you're a huge star, uh, and you want to cash in on it, then good on you. The fear here is that as you know, Bruce Springsteen and and Bob Dylan and others cash in on that um, and kind of hand over the rights to whoever buys them to, you know, y- use what they've already created or also use AI to extend that envelope somewhat, um, is that. You're closing the door on all the unknowns who want to be the next Bruce Springsteen, or be the next Keanu Reeves, or be the next James Earl Jones, uh, because they won't even have the opportunity to get there. They'll be because of AI. They will never be allowed to create. Uh, the kind of brand that made today's big stars possible um we have to ask ourselves a question you know what kind of industry do we want it why do we follow a particular star because they are a person we're interested in would i be as interested in ai generated content based on someone i know probably not uh, in much the same way that I probably wouldn't want to watch a TV show that was written by AI uh, and acted by AI actors, it just doesn't have the same appeal to me. And I think well, not not marked- not yet, not yet, <laughs> not yet. We will get there though. Yeah. But you know, and and that's kind of what scares me uh, about what's coming is that folks would, are just going to use the technology for the sake of it, but forgetting why we're interested in things like television shows, movies, and music in the first place.
0: Talking with Carmi uh, Levy all about AI and uh, the sticking point uh, that it is in the current actors uh, strike. So we'll be following up to see how that uh, all plays out. Carmi, thanks for joining us. It's so great being here, Mike. Thank you. When we come back from the break, more Tech to Talk. Back after this. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here with Gray-Williams. Apps are a major part of our life. They uh, do everything from online banking to gaming to social media. There's a lot of apps that uh, make us happy. I uh, wanted to talk about some of the apps that uh, make us most unhappy. And this is a, uh, a list uh, from Moment.io. Uh, but before before we get into this, uh, this list of unhappy apps, uh, Gray, are there any that come to mind for you?
1: Oh, the weather app makes me unhappy.
0: <laughs> is that the app's fault or is just uh you just don't like the weather
1: you know oh i i'm i'm gonna say it's 50 50 i just don't like the weather okay it's always too hot it's always too cold it's always too raining i should stay inside
0: okay so you're gonna blame the app for that
1: yeah okay well, who else
0: <laughs> okay so uh I'm, I'm i'm gonna go through a list of the top 10 uh most unhappy apps uh, and so this was, I guess, uh, an informal poll that uh, Moment.io uh, and Humantech.com uh, did. Number 10, I haven't heard of this one. Uh, Subway Surf is uh, one that uh, people don't uh, like. Um, number nine, this was interesting, Tinder. This made fa- 56, <laughs> it, it made 56% of users unhappy. Isn't that yeah, interesting,
1: yeah. and yeah, and their husbands or wives are all also happy.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, you know, when you look at some of these lists of uh, unhappy users, uh, many of them typically are dating apps or uh, social media apps, which is uh, kind of interesting. Uh, Weibo is uh, up there, so that's uh, more of a, a Chinese uh, social
1: media app. It's, it's sort of like a yeah, pervasive app. Yeah. It not, like it said, it's, uh, shopping and, and search and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So imagine if it touches more parts of your life, you're going to be less happy.
0: So apparently 57% of the users there are unhappy, but what's interesting is how much daily usage uh, people spend on, on these different a- apps. So with Weibo, uh, again, kind of a social shopping uh, uh, app, uh, you know, more in the Asian side, uh, 73 minutes a day. Isn't that crazy? Hmm. Okay. Next Tweetbot. That is. Tweetbot—that's uh, number seven in the unhappy app list. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, an app that uh, integrates with your your Twitter. Uh, I don't think a lot of people are are happy using Twitter right now.
1: I wonder if there's a threadbot coming. Probably.
0: Probably. Uh, next one at number six of unhappy apps: Reddit. So Reddit is a uh, a very popular kind of almost like a message board for the internet. They call it the. Isn't it the message or the front page of the internet? Of the internet. They, they, they call yeah. themselves uh, that um, you know, daily usage from users about 56 minutes. That's, I mean, almost an hour. That's a lot, but apparently 58% of users are unhappy. I, I guess it gets pretty heated on, on there sometimes.
1: It does. And yeah. I mean, for a lot of users, the, the main Reddit app is not that great um, with the API thing. That's just gone down where they were charging developers way too much to make more, make apps that work with Reddit. the, your official app is the only thing left so it's a case of it's the only thing and it's terrible uh number
0: five we're talking about uh, the most unhappy apps uh 59 of users using this app and they're averaging about 47 minutes a day on it candy crush i didn't see that coming
1: really <laughs>
0: <laughs> a candy crush it's a, a very popular game uh, been around for a, a number of years now you see it in movies and tv shows you know people playing candy crush but um i don't know why people are unhappy
1: mm, it- yeah it, i think it's the fact that it's almost like a bit of a slot machine You just have to keep putting money in to get your energy back to play at a consistent rate uh yeah just get apple arcade people
0: <laughs> get apple arcade we're talking about uh, the top ten list of uh, unhappy apps, and this is a you know an informal uh, poll uh, done by the folks uh, over at Momento.io. Just kind of checking in on people, letting them know what their unhappy apps are. Uh, number four is WeChat, very popular um, Chinese messaging app. Uh, again, ties in with a whole bunch of different things, but. Uh, amazing how much people use it. It's ninety-seven minutes of daily use. Isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah, I mean, That's like over an hour and a half. Being, being interconnected with all all those services, it makes makes a lot of sense. And again, if you're not happy with one part of it, you're probably not happy with all of it.
0: Okay, number three, not a big surprise to me. What do you think it is? It's a social social app. Ah, uh, Facebook. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, well, you know what In Facebook, they have a lot of uh of uh usage. You know, I mean, how much they're close to 3 billion active users a month. Um on average, uh these users that, you know, went into this informal poll, uh say they use it about almost an hour a day. 64% of them were unhappy using it. Yep. It's kind of sad, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. Like, no, you use, I just use Facebook. Talking about Facebook. Yeah, you use Facebook. Do you
1: like it? Are you unhappy? Yeah. 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 I wouldn't say I'm happy. I'm saying like it's it's sort of a there there were moments of joy at the beginning of Facebook. Yeah. And then that joy was stolen away. Although I will say, uh, when it comes down to Twitter, Twitter versus Threads, uh, Mark Zuckerberg has done the impossible and made me like him again. Really? So, eh? I don't. Oh, I don't know what to do.
0: Oh, don't worry. He'll do something to, <laughs> to make you not like him again. <laughs> me- and so, okay, number two on uh, the most unhappy apps. And uh, This is just an informal poll that uh, a, a website did. Uh, Candy Crush comes up again. Can- Candy Crush Saga. God, oh, okay. they, they just can't catch a break. 71% of uh, the people polled on, in this poll uh, were unhappy using it, uh, spending about uh, 46 minutes on average a day. And that
1: forty seventh minute, usually yelling, "This is bullcrap!" and throwing their phone across the room.
0: Yeah, I guess it's yeah. you know they're tired of crushing candy, so to speak. <laughs> uh, okay, so coming up on number one, this is another dating app. Guesses. We already covered Tinder. Tinder uh, was number nine on the unhappy scale.
1: Uh Lava Life. I don't. I don't know. Grinder grinder really yeah,
0: yeah. Oh. uh 77 hmm. of th- of the users polled uh in this uh survey uh are unhappy using it and they use it on average uh are they
1: unhappy with the app or they're not happy with the experience eh,
0: saying the app or okay. or, or using it huh. Huh. or using it huh. Huh. so uh, you know on hmm. average they're using it for like an hour tinder which we talked about which was at ni- number nine of the unhappiness uh in the app here top 10 only 22 minutes it's a big yeah that's against. it's it's a big discrepancy yeah Okay, well, uh, next week, we'll uh, we'll talk about some of the happier apps. <laughs> but I just thought it was interesting that someone made a list of unhappy apps. Don't forget to listen to our sister show. It's called Get Connected. Uh, we're on every Saturday across the Chorus Radio Network. You can also uh, check out the podcast from your favorite uh, podcast uh, app. Uh, we're going to be talking about the FTC cracking down on fake reviews. Uh, also, an interactive rower, kind of like a Peloton for rowing. And the FBI is warning U.S. citizens of sextortion scams that are increasing using deep fakes. So fake pictures of uh, people and videos that, that look real. They, they've got your head on them. I want to thank all the folks that uh, helped out in the show today, Gray Williams and uh, Carmi Levy for coming on. We'll see you again next time.
1: Nine one one. Nine one one. What's your emergency?) Ah! No!